In our day-to-day life, especially with the diet of the majority of people, we're missing nutrients and I'm missing nutrients, you know, and I love health and nutrition and I'm still not getting all the nutrients that I need on a day-to-day basis. Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're talking to Diana Weil. Diana is a certified nutrition specialist with a Master of Science in Nutrition and Integrative Health. She owns a private practice working with clients to optimize their well-being with an emphasis on creating a healthy relationship with food. She is also a certified integrative and holistic health coach. Most importantly, however, she has had a passion for healthy living and food that doesn't just do good, but also that looks and tastes good. My kind of girl. And yes, Diana's father is Dr. Andrew Weil, who has pioneered integrative medicine and healthy living for decades. So along with Diana's own knowledge base, she grew up learning and living with an expert. And let me tell you, Diana is an expert herself. In this episode, we discuss the pros and cons of birth control, which unfortunately aren't regularly communicated, like affecting our nutrient stores, hormones, and gut microbiome. Diana tells us what we can do to support our gut and overall health post-birth control and things we should consider if and when going off the pill to have a baby in the future. This is not just an episode for women looking to conceive in the near future, but also for any females who are debating going on birth control or are currently using birth control. Basically, if you're female, this episode is for you. Diana, welcome to the show. I mean, we probably just could have kept our conversation going before hitting record for about an hour. So I think this can be a real good episode. Um, But I'd love for you to start off with telling myself and our listeners a little bit more about your journey into finding, you know, a passion for nutrition, which I'm sure your dad being Andrew Weil played a part. But I really want to know what your why was in it and what made you want to go down that path as well? Yeah, you know, I mean, I nutrition was just something that I grew up in. Like, I feel so blessed to be able to say that health and nutrition was always a conversation growing up with my family Um, and something that I was so passionate about. I mean, one, I just like love food. So there was that too, you know, like I love eating and I love food. (laughs) Um, so that passion really stayed with me. But then as I got older, I started to realize that anytime you looked up any sort of health condition or preventative protocol, it was always at the base of it was always how we eat. And so I got really interested in health through the lens of nutrition and especially how to create change through, through that. You know, like I think it's such a complicated topic and it's really difficult for so many people. So a lot of people want to eat better or exercise or, you know, make these lifestyle changes and how we actually go about that is so challenging. Um, And so that's, I actually came about it through the health coaching sphere and I became a health coach. I loved it. Um, And then I wanted more science. And so I took a deeper dive and I got my master's in nutrition. But I think that having, you know, coming through it as a health coach first was really beneficial because a lot of people know what to do to eat healthier, but then it's actually creating that change. It's so difficult. And, you know, it is hard. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, it's really easy. Like, it's a really difficult thing. So um, 
Yeah. I mean, I guess it was just always, I always loved food. I always loved health and wellness. And then seeing the impact you can have just by making somewhat small tweaks to someone's diet and day is like inspiring and gives me chills. Yeah. No, it, it it's crazy. And I think you hit the nail on the head of like, right, it's so many people or some people think they know what to do to change their nutrition, right? Or their diet. Um, but it's the actual behavior change. And I'm wondering, that's probably why you wanted more of the science, because then when you have to explain, like, to lead to behavior change, you have to be able to explain to someone why they're doing something. And you have to know the science and the intricacies, which, yes, you can take that and put it more in a layman's terms that most people can understand. But you, as the medical professional, have to know the science behind it. And for, like, for you to understand it, to then be able to explain it in a more clear way. A hundred percent. I feel like I was the annoying kid that was always like, but why? But why? You know, everyone's doing that with nutrition and wellness. And I was always like, but why? Like, why do I have to do that? I I had to then go get the science because I wanted to be able to, you know, answer, but why to all everyone that I was working with? How how much of it, I'm curious, how much of it would you turn to your dad for those whys? Or did you kind of steer clear and would just want to be on your own path? Oh, I mean, I'll text him all the time and I have a dirty little secret. Sometimes if I don't know anything, I'll Google Dr. Weil and then like the question. <laughs> because I trust him so much. But like, if he won't answer my phone call or something, I'll like Google. You know, you know it's going to be the same answer. Yes. So... That's oh my gosh, that's so great. Is there anything to, while we're on the subject of this, and then we're gonna get into our main topic? But is there anything then when you learned your nutrition that you questioned that your dad taught about, or like just had more? You know, it's okay to say no. I'm not trying to. This is no like gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think really one of the things that I love, and I know that I'm very biased, but I also think that I'm right. one of the things that i love about his work is that he just has stayed so true to himself and he really has stayed away from trends like what he's has said from the 80s still holds true today and not saying that he doesn't adapt with science or as he learns more he does more but i really think that he has stuck to the basics and so in that regard there isn't a whole lot that i disagree with him on because he just has never he's never gone into the extremes you know so he's really stayed so in the middle i think um i can be a little bit more gentle with my approach like i really focus on having a healthy relationship with food and he comes more about like the medical health standpoint so i don't know if that's a disagreement but more just like you know if he'll say never have a cupcake with like red sprinkles on it and i'm like well you know i mean sometimes that can be the healthiest thing that someone can do (laughs) so yeah that's maybe the only area, and it's not even a disagreement, but just we come at it through different lens. Yeah, I know. That's so true. I mean, I will say I 100% agree with you that, like, I feel like he has never fallen into, like, the extreme of one way or or flip-flopped or, I mean, he's probably the only per- like, I don't really like getting emails, but I do still get, I don't even know when I signed up, but I still get, like, the Dr. Wilde's daily tip. <laughs> to my email inbox, but I always love them. I'm like, they're always so great. And they do, they don't, and they don't ever make you feel bad. Like you're doing something wrong. 
And that can be tough in the health industry, nutrition industry in particular, where you feel like you're doing something wrong or someone's shaming you for it. And that's why you should change versus being more motivating, which I always find he is. Um, but I'm sure, I mean, we could talk about that. But honestly, Diana, I want to tap into your expertise today. And I'm really excited. You brought up this as a potential topic. And we have not really talked about the effects of birth control on our health as women. And, um, you know, we're really going to get in today to today kind of like when you get off birth control, what does that mean for your overall health, your gut health? What can we do about that? And what do we see? But can we first start with what are some of the most common downsides when you're on birth control in relation to our nutrient stores, our hormone health? I just think this is an area that most women aren't well informed about. Like our doctors aren't telling us when, you know, when you're going in for birth control the first time, I have never met a doctor that's then telling me, oh, well, did you know that, you know, this can affect X, Y, you know, X, Y, and Z nutrient stores or um, your hormones are going to change in this way, which sometimes they do kind of prepare you for that, especially if you're young. But um, <laughs> I wish it was more prevalent. So yeah, if we could start there, that would be great. Yeah. And this is something I just recently got off birth control myself, which has been a whole journey. Um, I mean, actually, that's not true. I've had a very easy time with it, but I haven't had a period since I was 16 and I'm 31. So like, you know, I mean, that's, I guess that's not quite true, but you know, I mean, it's a wild and there was no discussion. It was like, oh yeah, like I had, I was on the pill and then I got the IUD. So I haven't had, I haven't had a period since I was 21, I guess. So 10 years without a period. And there was no discussion for me of like, hey, here are the risks, here are the benefits, you know, getting on the pill when I was 16 years old. You know, there was no, there was nothing. It was like, here's the pill handed out like candy. And I also want to be really clear, you know, I'm seeing a lot of discussion around birth control, which I think is fantastic. I am, I am still pro-birth control. Like, I think that birth control has given women a lot of freedom. It has allowed me to prevent a pregnancy when I wasn't ready to have a pregnancy. So I'm not anti-birth control. I do think the fact that there is an education, you know, women aren't necessarily being told all of the side effects or all of the different options to them is not okay. The other thing I'm really not okay with is just prescribing birth control for acne or to, you know, prescribing birth control as a way to regulate a woman's period. It can, for sure, it can be an option, but there are other options like figuring out why you're not having a period, you know, <laughs> like, hey, maybe if we like, regulate your hormones, you can have a period without going on the pill. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that being said, problems, benefits, but I don't want to just be anti-birth control because I'm really grateful I didn't have a baby when I was 16. Um, birth control wrecks havoc. I'm going to talk about the pill here because that's one that I know more about. I think that the IUD has downfalls, but is not as intense as a pill. I'm not 100% on that. Do you, is that, do you agree with that? Honestly, I still feel like even though it's been out and around for a bit, there's still so much unknown, but we have more information about the pills effects. So I'm with you on that, that like, let's let, yeah, let's focus on the pill for now. Um, 
But knowing that all forms of birth control do affect your hormones and can affect your nutrient stores. Right, right. Okay, but so for this conversation, we'll talk about the pill because that one I think has the bigger side effects. So one, it just completely wrecks havoc on your microbiome, um, which is an interesting conversation. And I think that it has, you know, it's a bigger deal than just maybe you're gassy and you have diarrhea. Like there's a lot of huge connection between our gut and our brain, our gut, and our mental health. What's going on through microbiome is not just, oh, you're a little gassy or like a buzzword that you're hearing about. The microbiome is so key to our mental health, um, our emotional. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge player in our overall health. And then like you mentioned, with nutrients, it depletes us in B6, B12, magnesium, zinc, vitamin C, you know, a lot of antioxidants. So I don't think that this conversation is being had. I certainly wasn't aware of, of, you know, nutrients being depleted with birth control. And unfortunately, I mean, a lot of these nutrients are things that we're already in short supply of. Like, I think what is 80% of people are deficient in magnesium. So let's take a nutrient that, you know, a mineral that we're deficient in and then just absolutely smash it even further. And magnesium is so important. It's involved in like, you know, 300 different reactions in our body. We need magnesium. I feel like I'm always bringing up the more the increased stress we have in our body, the more we excrete magnesium. And it's like, who's not who doesn't have like this also. And this is another thing I feel like I'm always clarifying. Stress doesn't mean just if you feel stressed. There's environmental stressors like there's outside stressors that aren't just how you feel in your own body or in your own mental state. Um, But so most of us are depleted in magnesium. And then I'm so glad you touched on like. You know how the pill or birth control can affect and start depleting some of our B vitamins and particularly like B6, which then, you know, when a lot of women are getting off of birth control, it's usually to have a baby unless there's another circumstance and you want your B6 nice and perky when you're getting ready to have a baby. And so a lot of people don't realize that like they're already starting so low. And then, you know, for a lot of women, it's they're not meeting their B6 needs through nutrition anyways. So it's just, it can sometimes, again, I in I completely agree with you, Diana, that like I am pro, I'm not against birth control. I was on birth control forever. I unfortunately had to go off of it. And I say unfortunately I had to go off of it um, because I got reoccurring UTIs and I found it was a factor and... um. I don't think it caused them, but it was a factor. And it was like, I would do anything to stop those. So I went off of it. But also, like, I struggle now. You know, we we have a 17-month-old and we're about to have our second. And it's like, we didn't plan this second. But I really was scared to go back on birth control, mainly for, like, my UTIs. If I wasn't, or in same, honestly, with the nutrient depletion, too, because I was like, I'm postpartum still. And Right. There's so many things. Obviously, I need to figure it out. Um, but it's it can sometimes like when women are going off the pill and whether their microbiome is left in not a great spot, um, their nutrients aren't left in a great spot, which you do need if you're going off of it to get pregnant. Um, if that's what you're looking to do. And also just to feel like we think about our B vitamins, like I always think like there are energy vitamins. So a lot of the times too, just even if you've been on birth control, which I know a lot of us women have, like 
you said dating like since we're like 16 and then we're getting off of it at like I don't know late 20s early 30s because we're all we're you know most women are having babies later or thinking about having babies later and that's a long time right like that's usually most people are on for a decade and you just think about the impact of that and then depending on what your diet is you can be left really depleted um I'm curious your thoughts on if someone was on the pill taking like taking a multivitamin because right like this is this episode for everyone listening is not to scare you to say get off the pill that's not what this is about we just want you to be as informed so maybe you can do things like taking a multivitamin while you're on the pill or being aware of and maybe getting tested for some of these nutrients to see where you fall but I'm curious your thoughts on that yeah, I think it's a great question. And I also, I mean, I, I just wanted to say too that like so interesting about, you know, birth control leaves your body depleted and then potentially you're going right into pregnancy, which is so taxing on your body. I just think that that was like such a good point that I just wanted to reiterate that, you know, yeah, that we really need to support our bodies if you're going into pregnancy. So great point. Or, um, and, I'm and fan- you know what, yeah. Diane, I want to say real quick there too, or like I just see so many women then they're struggling with fertility. And they're so down on themselves. And it's like, hey, guys, we may just have a couple nutrient tweaks we have to make. But unless you're going to a doctor and getting tested, like you may not even realize that. And that's why it is so important to take a very good quality prenatal vitamin when you're in that conception phase or trying to conceive. Um, But I just hate seeing women in that position where they're feeling so down on themselves and they think it's oh, it's because I was on birth control for so long. But now, if we can help inform you of what, you know, some of those downsides of birth control can be so you can correct them, hopefully, you know, you won't have to deal with a lot of those hardships. Absolutely. I think that that's such a great point. And for me, it's also been like, like embracing my period and learning about my body again. It has been really cool because I don't know, you know, I mean, a lot of women, I'm sure, have been in the same boat where you're like, I don't want a period, so I'm going to get an IUD and just skip it for 10 years <laughs> or take the pill and then just skip my period. And like, that's been great. But there is something very cool about noticing how your body works and getting back into my natural cycle. And but again, I mean, talk about masking fertility symptoms. I don't even know. You know, it's been literally it's been 10 years since I've had a period. Like, is do I have a period? Is it regular? You know, and so I think that there is something, too, about masking symptoms or, you know, like a doctor putting someone on birth control who isn't having a regular period. Like, rather than masking these symptoms, let's figure out what's going on with our bodies, uh, assessing for any needs, you know, and then moving forward. And again, not anti-birth control, but I do think that, like, we should understand what's going on with our bodies. Um, Okay, back to your multivitamin question. I personally am a big fan of multivitamins. I know that there is a lot of discussion of, do they actually work? How much are we absorbing them? I think that taking a good, high-quality multivitamin is key. And I'm going to reiterate the high-quality part of that because yeah. there's a lot of supplements that are not high-quality and you probably are peeing out a lot of it. But if you get a good, high-quality supplement you know, with variations of, of vitamins and minerals that are more absorbable and more bioavailable, I think 100% so important. Um, I think 
I always like to say that supplements are supplemental to a good diet. So let's figure out how to get most of our nutrients from food first. But again, in our day-to-day life, especially with the diet of the majority of people, we're missing nutrients and I'm missing nutrients, you know, and I love health and nutrition and I'm still not getting all the nutrients that I need on a day-to-day basis. So I'm a big fan of taking a multivitamin. I think do your homework. I really like looking at consumer um, consumer labs, you know, which will rate different supplement, different supplement companies. I think arm yourself with knowledge so that you are buying a good high quality supplement. But I think I'm a big fan of supplements. I don't think you need to spend a thousand dollars a month on supplements. I think that you can just take a few of them. But I'm a big fan of multivitamins, especially like you said, a prenatal multivitamin. I think like if you are considering having a baby, you should be taking one. <laughs> yeah. And to Diana, like knowing too that anyone listening, just like you, it's also not your, it's no one's fault that they're not getting enough nutrients. Our food supply has changed as well. Like our food is so different than it was years ago in terms of the nutrient density. Like it's just not the same. And that's why most people, unfortunately, are depleted in vitamins. And then minerals is a huge one. Um, I feel like minerals pop up so many times when we're when we have podcasts and we're interviewing guests because we are we're just under under mineralized and I'm a big like I'm with you I love food it's like and also like I just food first because I think you get so many other so many other things come with food right like fiber and but. I can't sit here and say that even if I ate like an immaculate, healthy, good for you diet, which like, you know, what is healthy too, but I can't say I would still be insured to get all the nutrients just because our food doesn't contain the same amount of nutrients as it used to. And that's like, I mean, this is coming from the other day we were recording with um, Dave Asprey. And I mean, like, he's just such a character in and of himself, but like, he is so focused on biohacking his health and he will do anything and he would eat anything. And he's like, oh, supplements all the way in terms of like supplementing my diet because there's just no way I can get enough through. And I'm like, it just seems to be this common theme um, for most people and knowing like if you are experiencing it can be like fatigue or just things that you're like this, like I just don't feel good. It could be a simple mineral or vitamin tweak. And that's all you really need. Yeah. I am. Um, I am getting really personal on this podcast, but I had horrible night terrors from the age of 12 to 24. And I would wake up every night screaming. And I finally started taking supplements. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian, so I'm, you know, not getting really any B12. I wasn't getting omegas. Um, so I started taking algae omega and then a good solid multivitamin and my night terror stopped. And I was like, the pain and suffering that I could have prevented from just making sure that my, that I was getting, you yeah. know, all of the different nutrients that I needed. I mean, these were like, I think that sometimes people just hear about vitamins and minerals and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need those. But I'm like, no, no, like you really, we need these. Yeah. Oh, I'm, that now that makes me so curious, kind of like we were saying the, you know, the but why in us. I'm so curious what specific nutrients were lacking to possibly cause them. Um, oh, that's fascinating. Diana. Isn't that interesting? And I try to like 
blisters. Like I'll stop taking one for a little bit and they come back really quickly. And I'm pretty sure it's one of the Bs rather than the omegas, but the omegas definitely help as well. So and just like with anxiety and sleep. I mean, yeah. So I'm a big fan. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I'm curious now because I know we were talking about like gut health and one, when you're on birth control, but then when you get off of it, what are some things people can do, one, while they're on birth control to help support their gut? And then is it the same for when they go off birth control? Are there certain things like they should expect to kind of experience in terms of their gut health and how can they support it? Yeah. You know, and what's, what is nice about, I think, the recommendations that I have for people you know, coming off birth control is that it's kind of like recommendations that I would give to anyone who's trying to follow a healthier lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are pretty just across the board going to be better for you Um, in order to improve microbiome. And, you know, a lot of people have not a great microbiome because like we've talked about, our food has changed. People's diets have changed. We're just not getting the variety of foods. I have seen in my own personal practice, the amount of people under eating fiber is astounding. Um, And fiber is critical to a healthy microbiome. And, you know, just taking a fiber supplement isn't the same as getting fiber from different sources in your food. So, you know, it might help you be regular, you know, go to the bathroom regularly, but I cannot stress enough the impact of having a variety of whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and what that's going to do for your energy levels, for your microbiome, you know, pretty much across the board for your health. And when I say whole grains, I don't mean I'm, you know, this, <laughs> but I don't mean going to the grocery store and buying just whole grain bread. My dad likes to say that if you can squish it up into a tiny little ball, it's not a whole grain. Like the whole, it's already been done for you, you know? <laughs> so quinoa, barley, amaranth, like I want to actually see the whole grain. And that's what I mean when I say whole grains. Um, getting an abundance of fruits and vegetables in your diet. So beneficial for your microbiome. I think staying away from artificial sweeteners, um, being mindful of alcohol, especially coming off birth control, the stricter you can kind of be with those two things, I think the better. I'm really for a moderation kind of lifestyle. You know, I drink a couple of times, maybe like have a, you know, two glasses of wine a week, whatever it is. So I'm not against alcohol. I don't believe in artificial. I mean, I don't think artificial sweeteners are great for you. If that's your thing, though, like I'll let you have them. But especially coming off birth control, I think the stricter you can be with this, the better to just, you know, let your microbiome heal. Probiotics, um, fermented foods, which I think is another thing that a lot of people just aren't getting enough of. Yogurt, kimchi, sauerkraut, pickles, you know, pickles that you're getting in the refrigerated section um, are really great for your microbiome. So there are ways that we can heal microbiome, even if you are someone who has, you know, completely messed up microbiome. I don't want you to think that it that's how it has to be. What's so cool about this is that we can completely shift the bacteria in your gut by just eating a lot of fiber, staying away from alcohol, staying away from artificial sweeteners, managing stress, getting enough sleep. You know, all of those things are so key. Yeah, no, that's it's like there's always what I love, it's like there's always wiggle room with someone's gut health. So like someone can come to you and like, let's say they're like, they're eating pretty good and they're exercising well. And 
But there's always room in your gut to like make improvements. But so I'm always like, oh, don't worry. We can still get some stuff done. Um, (laughs) But I'm curious, Diana, because you had said in the beginning of our podcast episode, like part of your why too was seeing how small changes that you can make with your clients, like small tweaks have such a large impact. What could you tell our listeners? And obviously, right, like every person's different. Their situation's different. But what are some of those small tweaks that have big impacts that you see with most clients, whether that pertains to their gut health or just like just their overall health in general that, I mean, even for anyone listening, which again, like our recommendations are going for, this is pretty much when you're on birth control, when you're going off of it, but maybe being mindful of like when you go off of it. And if you are going off of it to set your body up for conception um, and to have a baby being a bit more mindful, but what are some of those tweaks with a big impact that you love to do um, with clients that work for most people? Yeah, this is my bread and butter. So I've got a lot of these. I love these small tweaks, you know, talking about stress management. And like you said, stress isn't just, okay, I had a really scary meeting with my body, I feel, or with my boss, I feel stressed. Stress, I think for a lot of people, is this chronic low-level state of stress where cortisol is just higher than it needs to be or higher than it should be, which can create problems. Um, so one of my favorite things to have clients to do is the 478 breath. Or if the 478 breath doesn't work for you, 30 seconds, and I mean literally 30 seconds, morning and night of breathing can have a wild impact on just your stress levels, set you up for your day, help you get a good night's sleep. Um, things like adding in one vegetable at breakfast. You know, if you're going to have eggs in the morning, throw in some spinach, have a bell pepper, you know, slice up a little bit of bell pepper. Um, I think even just eating breakfast, like a lot of times I see that people are terrified to eat breakfast or they're trying to lose weight. And so their first thing that they're going to do is skip breakfast. If I was going to suggest one small change, it would be to eat breakfast because I just see that so many people aren't eating breakfast, which leads to energy crashes at like the two, three time period. People feel fatigued. Their cravings in the evenings are kind of out of control. Though eating breakfast, I think is, is, and maybe that one's like a medium tweet because that can be a little bit time consuming for people. Um, taking five minutes in the morning to just maybe do a little journaling, go for a little walk, do some breathing meditation just so that you're not always rushed from day, you know, from moment to moment. Um, again, these are things that take less than 10 minutes out of your day or. If you go buy lettuce, take 30 seconds, wash it, stick it in your fridge, and I promise you, you're going to eat more lettuce throughout your week because it's ready to go, you know? Or go to the grocery store with a plan and say, hey, these are the three recipes that I'm going to make this week. Here are the ingredients that I need rather than just going to the grocery store every single day without a plan. Like, not tough stuff. Um, It can take a little bit of forethought. And, you know, again, I'm these are small tweaks. They still take energy. They still take effort. Change is difficult. So I don't want to take that away from people who are doing this. But the impact that you're going to feel is astounding. And then once you start feeling better, you have more energy and motivation to do more. You know, So if it's honestly going for a walk around your block after dinner, it's so beneficial for lowering, lowering heart rate, lowering cholesterol, lowering blood glucose, like you know, these have big impacts. And I think a lot of times people just get so stuck and say, well, I can't do an hour long walk, so it's not worth it. Five minutes is amazing. Go for a five minute walk. Yeah, no, it's so powerful. 
I'm curious if you've seen your practicing like besides fiber, which like I feel like that's across the board. I mean, I don't think I've met another practitioner who hasn't said that most of their clients are under fibered. Are is there anything else that you see popping up a lot that people aren't consuming enough of? Like I find personally, and, and this is just in my practice, I can't say the same like I can for fiber that most practitioners. Um but like people are under eating protein or I find and that's why like they have more cravings and um, they're hungrier later or they're having like that 2 to 3 p.m. crash. But I'm curious just in your practice if you're finding other trends that people seem to be lacking in that can help them like just making that little tweak can really help improve. You know what's interesting is I think that this is going to surprise a lot of people. But what I see is a lot of people who are under eating in general, just not consuming yep. enough calories throughout the day. Um. And it's usually people who are coming to me for weight loss. And so then when I say, hey, you're not eating enough, they are shocked. They're like, what do you mean? But I'm not losing weight. And I see it over. I mean, I think the majority of the people that I work with, I'm like, hey, 800 calories, not enough food. Not enough food to get your to sustain your metabolism. Which right? that's what's going to be what helps you lose weight for anyone listening. Like, that we have to be eating enough for our metabolism, one, to not only run at its baseline, but two, to like be firing on all cylinders. And, and which, and like, to me, that's, I don't know. I always say, like, for people whose weight loss, if weight loss is their goal, getting your metabolism in a good place is like the golden ticket. Because then you can have kind of like a little bit more of like an 80 20 lifestyle, like 80% of the time trying, you know, eating really well but then like you know if you go out and have the pizza or burger or like have a night where it's not so great your body can bounce back well or it's not going to be so detrimental for it because your metabolism's like i got this i got this like i'm just moving and your metabolic health overall is better like i don't know i just think metabolism is like the key to unlocking not only like the doors of great metabolic health but also for a lot of people like the happiness of not constantly facing that like weight loss struggle from year to year because as we get older especially and well, especially and unfortunately for women our metabolism naturally decreases so it's like you really want to try and get ahead of it and learn about it and how you can improve it Oh my gosh. Yes. Like a million times. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And what I also see too is that people under eat and then they obviously they can't sustain that because they're starving themselves and then they binge, <laughs> you know? And so there's this constant cycle of binging restricting, which isn't serving anybody. Um, and the 80-20, I think is just really like ideal because that 20% is what allows you to maintain the 80%. And then you're going to see weight loss in the long term, you know, you're not going to be back on this cycle again because you've lost weight in a sustainable way. Being able to have a slice of birthday cake, being able to go, you know, to a game and have a hot dog, whatever it is, whatever your 20% is. But if you are always starving yourself, I mean, it's just, I see it time and time again. And I mean, if you're not eating enough calories, then you're under eating fat, which is going to mess up your hormones. <laughs> you're not eating enough carbohydrates, which is necessary for brain function. You're deficient in protein. And you're deficient in all your vitamins and minerals. Like how you can't, if you're under eating, then you're under eating in everything. So 
really, I think like, I think most people are blown away by how much they actually should be eating because we've been tricked into this narrative that 1200 calories is enough by all these diet companies. Yeah. And, and I understand too, like why it is scary for people if, you know, when you're saying, okay, you're under eating, so we're going to get you to eat more and that's going to help you reach your goals. And people look at you like, I'm supposed to trust you, but I really don't trust you now because that doesn't make sense. And I totally understand it. But then the power of, for the people that do, because you will have some people that won't commit to it because they're terrified, which again, totally understandable. But then the power of when you see the people who do commit and get to eat more, which they're psyched about, and then they start losing weight, which, right, like it doesn't happen overnight. Your bot, like a lot of the times too, if you've really wreaked havoc on your metabolism over the years, and depending on honestly what age you're at at that point in your life, it can take some work to get your metabolism back. But once you do and you start seeing that you can eat more and lose weight and not be as what, what you said, Diana, but like as restrictive. And because then it becomes a diet versus a lifestyle change. If you feel like you really can't eat certain foods or you have to stay away from certain things it, or you're counting calories, it is, it's a diet in your mind, which mentally, like, it's just not healthy overall. But if you can look at it as a lifestyle change and that you do get to have that birthday cake or hot dog here and there, and you don't have to be focused on calories. And if you eat, if you eat more calories that day, it's going to ruin everything. It's like, it's freedom. It's freedom. And it's amazing to see people like, wait, how am I losing weight right now? How is this happening? Like, I'm eating way more food than I was. And I mean, Diane and I are proof right here to tell you guys, like, it happens all the time. Like, it's it's fascinating. And yes, in a way, it kind of like doesn't, I understand why it doesn't make sense to people listening. But it's also part of our jobs to teach you about your metabolism and to teach you why this does work. I mean, we've gotten so far off of like birth control talk, but but this is all, I mean, again, it's just all about going back to your overall health and like being, making sure that like you're eating enough. Like you said, if you're under eating, you're definitely low in nutrients. If you're, you know, there's so many issues that can come from under eating, um, so I'm glad I'm glad we got on this little tangent. Absolutely. Here, I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back to the birth control <laughs> part for us. Okay. So I think another thing that I see that's interesting is with fat, because I think especially in the 80s and 90s, there was just such an attack against fat. And so people, I think, which has lingered, people are so afraid to consume fat. And I just want to say that fat does not make us fat. And it is so necessary for regulating hormones. And I, I see that women are terrified. I mean, men too, but I work more mostly with women. Um, women are terrified to eat fat. And so when I say, hey, I want you to eat whole fat dairy, they are they look at me like I have lost it. They're like, you want me to eat more and you want me to eat whole fat dairy? Are you joking? <laughs> no, I'm not. I want you to eat, you know, like, yes, I want you to eat fat <laughs> because you need you need good, healthy fat to regulate your hormones. And that's, you know, that's the other thing with coming off of, birth control is make sure that you are getting good quality fats. Whole fat dairy, if that's, you know, if dairy works for you, if it doesn't work for you, obviously, then that's not your recommendation. 
um, good fatty fish sourced ethically. Um, avocados, olive oil, all of those things, nuts, seeds are so important for regulating hormones, especially for women coming off of birth control. And particularly if you're coming off birth control and trying to get pregnant. Whenever you have dairy fat, the minute they start to skim it, so whether they're, you know, getting it to 2%, 1% or skim milk, they actually, because they're taking out some of the fat, they concentrate the androgens, which are male, more so male hormones. So for women, that can really mess us up too, on top of if we just came off of birth control, but this is also just in general. Um, so there's more factors there than like, oh, we're just telling you to eat more fat. But also, if you are getting off birth control to um, conceive or get pregnant in the near future, there is a plethora of research that promotes, um, or sorry, that indicates that whole fat dairy promotes fertility like a thousand times percent more than having um, any type of low fat or skimp dairy. And honestly, guys, once you make the switch, it tastes better. Like whole fat dairy. Like I can never go back to like I, it, which it's great too. Cause once you, once you have that baby and they're eating whole milk yogurt, you just get to eat the same thing, which is lovely. Um, but know that like there's other side effects to that. Um, and making sure, like Dana said, getting those healthy fats. And yes, like fat is not going to make you fat. The only ones to like kind of watch out for is if you're pairing a saturated fat with a carbohydrate. So when I say that, that's like having honestly like a fry, fried food, or even sometimes like I will say, if you're having like, um, a piece of meat that is sandwiched between <laughs> sandwich between bread. Didn't mean <laughs> for that pun. But it's kind of that combination of, you know, saturated fat plus unhealthy carbohydrates. And then if you add oil into that as well, some unhealthy oils, like we were saying with fried food, that's when you can get into some trouble. Um, so just watch out for that. But even if you're having like a piece of grass-fed meat or that's not going to be and it has some saturated fat that again also isn't going to make you fat that's not how the body works and i think that there's also a lot of research suggesting that people who have full fat dairy or whole fat you know are are leaner because they're more satiated it keeps you fuller longer from that fat so you feel more satiated i mean i know it like Okay, come on. For anyone listening right now, you cannot tell me the 80 light and f- 80 calorie light and fit keeps you full for 3 to 4 hours. And that There's is no how way. long There's no, way. no. And that is how long a meal should keep you full for. I will maybe give it to you like if you really love it as a snack, go for it. But a meal should keep you full for honestly close to 4 hours. And that's kind of your indicator. Yes, there are some days where we may be hungrier or like around our cycle, things like that. But for most of the time, your meal should last you about four hours. That's why, you know, this is not to say snacking is bad because there are many healthy snacks. And a lot of times we need a snack to kind of bridge us between two meals. A lot of times for people, it's like between lunch and dinner. Or if you eat breakfast really early in the morning, you need one. 
But a lot of the times, we don't, we shouldn't need a snack if it's able to carry us that like three to four hours, um, which we want to give our body also to some like rest time to digest. Yes. And you know, I mean, what are like those yogurts don't taste good unless they then (laughs) add things to them to make them taste good, you know? So I think you're much better off buying whole fat Greek yogurt, which is high in protein, get unsweetened, add some berries, add a little bit of honey or maple syrup if you want to, sweeten it yourself. You know, like it tastes way better. And they're fat-soluble vitamins that we need fat in order to absorb. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Eat, eat fat. Yeah, we're, <laughs> like we're you said, fat. Eat we're pro-fat over here. And <laughs> honestly, for because I, I, I'm sure a lot of people listening who are, it's intriguing them when they see, you know, as part of this episode is getting off of birth control. If you are in that phase of trying to improve your fertility, like fat for fertility. If you remember anything from today's episode, fat helps promote fertility. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I can't say enough about it. Um, I'm curious anything because I know we have to wrap up soon. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you find when you get off birth control that women should be aware of? Or do you feel like we covered most everything? You know, I think we covered covered quite a bit. I think, you know, one thing that, and again, I, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm a nutritionist. Um but that it might take a little bit and to not panic if it takes a little bit of time for your body to adjust. Um, I think supporting, you know, your liver through all of the things that we talked about, let your body run its natural detox. You know, your body is capable of detoxing itself. Support it through basically everything that we've talked about, letting your body kind of get rid of all the hormones that are in your system still. Um, I think sleep, stress management are really important breathing exercises. I also, you know, one thing that I've been really interested in lately is I was a big fan of HIIT workouts and I've come more to doing low impact, gentle workouts that are, you know, still give me a burn and do what I want it to do. Um, But for regulating hormones and reducing cortisol in my body, I'm more into low impact workouts than HIIT workouts. And so I think that that's something, you know, if you're coming off of birth control or if you're in a period of your life where you feel really stressed, although you may want to go to a, you know, a hit workout and just get it all out, um, I actually would recommend doing the opposite and doing a lower impact workout. Do you, what do you think about that? Oh, completely. And if you're, especially if you're getting off birth control to be in that conception phase, not the best for your body, right? It's going to increase your stress levels. Um, and a, a lot of the times too, like you have to check in with yourself. For some people, like if you're doing right? There's so many different forms of HIIT workouts. If you're doing like a 15-minute HIIT workout and you find it really does just invigorate you and you don't feel stressed after and it's really quick, that actually, it, that may be right for you. But these, I mean, even 30-minute, but 45-minute hour-long HIIT classes, it's just not the time to prepare your body because it also takes a lot of nutrients in your body when you're doing those workouts and if you're not replenishing properly, which we just said most people are under eating um, or under eating specific nutrients, that's where you can run into some trouble. Um, I'm curious, Amy, do you have any like health and well, like some daily health and wellness non-negotiables that you do or like little rituals each day? You know, that you find a bit helpful for you. 
I have been, I think sleep has been a non-negotiable for me lately. Like if I, I really prioritize getting eight hours of sleep. And so if I, if it takes me a long time to wake up in the morning or sorry, fall asleep at night, um, you know, or if I'm woken up in the middle of the night or if I don't feel totally rested, I will hit, take off that alarm and, you know, let myself wake up later. I think sleep is, is a big non-negotiable for me. Um, I think another non, like I have to eat vegetables throughout the day and it's not because I feel like, you know, I'm required to, but because I love them and they make me feel better. (laughs) Eating at least four or five different vegetables a day is kind of a non-negotiable, but it's a non-negotiable that I enjoy. You know, like if I, if we've been eating out or if we're on a holiday and I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, I (laughs) haven't had any vegetables. I will go seek out at least one meal that I know is going to support my nutritional needs, allow me to feel better. And again, this is not like, I hate this. I like it. Um, Yeah. But I think that those are, you know, really, really my non-negotiables. I think the sleep one is is a big one for me right now because I think I have had periods in my life where I was just such a horrible sleeper. And everything that I read and look at and listen to just places sleep at the, you know, I tell people all the time, Dana, I'm like, if your sleep and stress isn't in like an okay to good place, nothing we do nutrition or exercise wise, like you could be at the gym every single day. Not saying that that's like the best way, but you could be right like at the gym every day, um, eating a really well balanced diet. But if you're, if you have lack of sleep, which is affecting your hormones, um, and, stress which affects your hormones as well it just it makes it so much harder to achieve any of those goals um well diana thank you so much this has been so great i mean honestly like oh we could just keep chatting away here i could do this for four hours um but we do love to end every episode with a little rapid fire q a so i have three questions for you just first thing that comes to mind what is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool Exercise. I'm uh, yeah. Reshifting from the hit and doing the low impact, but still exercise. What What are your favorite low impact exercises? You know, I just started doing the Sculpt Society. I don't know if yes, you've heard Megan of Megan Roof. Oh, I oh, love it. I do it. I love it. I did it. Not pregnant, pregnant, postpartum. And she's just so uplifting. It's like. She's so, great. and the things that she does to my hips and my butt i'm like are you in today yeah no she is she is fabulous um oh i'm curious i'm always curious about this one coffee or tea okay can i say both is that cheating yeah no say both what well, like what's your how do you take your coffee and what's your favorite tea okay so i only pretty much drink decaf because i'm super sensitive to caffeine so I drink decaf coffee. I add a little half and half to it. Um, and I do love matcha because I am so sensitive to caffeine. Matcha kind of gives me the caffeinated high that I'm looking for, but then doesn't stress me out and gives oh me... God, I don't know we're, guys- we're legitimately twins. Like I can't... I mean, I actually have been able to jump up to... I do a... It's a half calf, half decaf. But it's like that even is a little on the iffy end and so i was like religious matcha which i love a matcha it's just sometimes now with a toddler i just i don't like i like the ritual of making my matcha 
And sometimes time just does not allow for that. Um, but I'm hoping I can get back to that. But I'm the, I'm the same way. It's like if you're sensitive to caffeine, but you want the caffeine jolt, try a matcha because try a matcha. Be, yeah, it can be your saving grace. Um, okay, my last question and my favorite one: What is your favorite home cooked meal? Oh, ooh. Um, I go through phases in my life. <laughs> I do the cooking in our household too, so uh, I pretty much cook dinner every night. Um. So I'm in a phase right now where I'm really loving this crispy cashew tofu recipe that I make with like a million different vegetables and it takes 20 minutes and it's so good. And again, I'm just like in a big tofu stage. So I would say that, but like, I don't know. Next week, it might be something different. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds so good. Well, Diana, where can people find you, connect with you, work with you? Tell us all the places. Yes, I'm on Instagram, Diana underscore Wild, W-E-I-L. And then my website, www.dianawild.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Diana. And hopefully we can just connect again soon. I feel like we, you know, I love when you just hit it off so much with other health professionals and people in your wheelhouse. So thank you. Thank you. I truly had a blast. This week's actionable step is to add in one habit to support your gut microbiome that Diana shared, regardless of if you're currently on birth control or not. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Wells, hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.